Welcome to the Building Heroes Podcast, where we learn to build heroes in our homes to help our kids be prepared for their life journeys. Hi, I'm your host, Molly Christensen, and I love to encourage and mentor you on your path. Hey everyone, this is Molly Christensen with the Building Heroes podcast, and today we have a real treat for you with my friend Michelle Bartlett. I am super excited to have her on today because she's got an amazing story, and you're going to come away feeling really inspired about what to do in your homes too. So let me just tell you a little bit about Michelle. Michelle and her husband are the authors of multiple internationally known travel books, and I have some of them, and they are good. And um, one of the books is, they're best known for this one, is Have Kids Will Travel. And I love this book because it really opened up my mind about traveling with kids. And they are family travel experts, but they're also quickly becoming experts in for anybody doing it inexpensively. So their latest book is Amazing Travel, Incredibly Cheap. So you're gonna get a lot of great ideas there. And they've also written day trips from Salt Lake City. I have that one too. That's good. Oh, <laughs> Yes, and now Michelle is just putting the finishing touches on her new book for homeschooling, which is called Anyone Can Do It, Homeschool Simplified with her business partner, Natalie Reeve. So Michelle, she definitely makes homeschooling interesting and fun. And so Michelle, why don't you introduce yourself and thank you so much for taking time to be on my podcast today and go ahead and tell your story too. Tell us how you got into all of this. Great. I would love to, I would love to share that. And thank you for having me on. I'm really inspired by what you're doing and talking about heroes because that is so big, right? And what we do in homeschooling or in life, really, no matter where we're at, if we can create heroes, um, the world will be such a better place. So my story is years ago, like 30 years before it was really popular. Um, I had a friend who homeschooled and she said, Michelle, you should do it. You really should think about it. And I seriously did not want to. I didn't really have the excitement to do it. <laughs> I loved that the kids got their jobs done in the morning and they went to school and the house stayed clean and I actually had some time to myself. I know this sounds really petty and small, but um, at that point I had a kindergartner and then a brand new baby. So um, we had some things happen at school. Our, our first grader was just really struggling. First and second grade, he just couldn't sit still. He didn't fit the norm. They didn't have extra curriculum, you know, as far as extra classes they could put him in. And that's what really was the catalyst to me saying, all right, maybe I should look at this. So honestly, I really, I just prayed about it and I felt really strongly to do it, not only for him, but for all of them. And I thought, what am I doing? <laughs> I don't really want to do this, but I feel strongly that I need to, right? So I went to the, my first homeschooling conference. And um, back then it was so small. They had it at a local university and it was really just like three different rooms. So small compared to what you can find now in huge conference centers. And I remember hearing one person after another talk about their different programs and um, 
affiliations and et cetera, et cetera. And I, I thought, oh my word, there is a million directions that you could go with this. And then I heard Oliver DeMille speak about um, creating our lives to be like the founding fathers, like teaching our children like our founding fathers with mentors and classics and bringing mentors in their lives and learning from the classics. And, and it made so much sense and resonated with me. And also my friend who homeschooled even 10 years before I did, it really resonated with a lot of things that she had been telling me. So I thought, oh, it needed to be big and complicated. And it really didn't. But I think when you've gone to school, you're, you know, you've, you're used to doing it that way. And so it's hard to get that out of your system. It just takes a while. But um, anyway, I jumped in and it actually was hard for a little bit. Some of it was hard because I didn't, sometimes I didn't always do the classics and mentors as good as I should have. I kind of pushed, this is what you need to know, right? This is how it needs to be. And that I found very quickly um, was not the most helpful for my kids. If I could help direct them in things they were interested in, and that doesn't mean unschooling, but help direct them. And you know, they had certain things they had to get done in math and science, but I let them kind of direct some of that. And once we turned it into that kind of atmosphere and brought in mentors that could help them, and um, incorporated the classics and gave them life experiences, you know, real experiences, mentorships, internships, those kind of things. It just changed the whole trajectory of everything. I remember bringing that one child that was the catalyst home and I would take his little table and I would set it away from the other kids, right? And he would look at his problems because he was very distracting. Um, he would look at the problem like in math and he might walk around his table and um, do a cartwheel or whatever and then come back with the answer. And he knew it. He just had a lot more energy. So um, it was nice to have a place where they could really shine in their particular attitudes and, and um, talents and, and everything else. So. Um, with that, it took us into really wanting to take them on field trips. You can see some pictures in the background here. Take them on field trips um, where we would learn about Joan of Arc, Napoleon Bonaparte, famous, incredible people in history. And, and then we'd go visit those places. But then, then we had to figure out how are we gonna do that? So that, that was another big thing, um, is how, how can we figure out a way, we're on this kind of a budget, how can we figure out a way that we can do that? Because only the rich can, can travel like that. But really it was changing our mindset. And I think um, just along with going, jumping into the homeschool, we had to change our mindset there because ultimately I knew it was the right thing. And even though I didn't want to do it, I grew to love it and loved having the kids home so much. Um, so we just had to really change our mindset on, we can't do this to, we are going to do this and we're going to figure out a way to do it. So we did. I love that. 
And, you know, when you were saying something early on, it caught my ear. I was like, wait, you didn't homeschool your kids perfectly? I know, right? Like anybody does. <laughs> and I think it morphs. We talked a little bit beforehand. Um, I know for me, I am in a much different place. I still love the mentors and classics, but I am in such a different place of where I might push things. Like I really felt like college was the place that they had to be for sure to have success in life. And I, I really now that they're all grown, I see that they can have incredible success and in whatever they're passionate about. And that doesn't have to be their course if that's not what they want to do. So yes, I don't think any homeschooling mom has a perfect journey. It's, it's, it's a journey of evolution and changing and learning and growing along with your children. Absolutely. And it's more about helping prepare them for their journeys than for us making them go on the journey that we think they should go on just because that's what everybody else says they should do. Exactly. That's so right on. I love that. It's so true because every single one of them has different interests and likes and there's certain missions that they need to do in their life that is going to look different than their siblings. And so it, it's really true. I remember when our daughter was um, at, she started college at 16 and, um, you know, we were super excited. She won a four-year scholarship, the top scholarship at USU without a GED or diploma. In, and it's great. And she, she did well with school, but now I look back, right. And I wouldn't have pushed as much, which we just talked about. But, um, one of the things that she said was mom, I just love learning. Like I could just keep learning and going and going and learning more. And I thought, oh, that just makes my heart happy because isn't that what life is about? It's that consistent learning and growing and making ourselves better no matter how old we are. And we're always learning and changing. And um, and that's, that's a beautiful thing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people think, oh, I'm done with school. I never have to crack open up a book again or learn anything again. I'm like, oh, that's kind of sad. <laughs> I mean, first off, because I love learning too, but also because when we stop making progress, we don't feel as good about ourselves because that's really what it's all about, making progress. But you also mentioned some, a, a phrase earlier too that I love. So I wrote this down because you said what you wanted to do was make your homeschool a place to shine, a place for your kids to shine. And I think a lot of times when we are, you know, stuck with trying to make our kids do their schoolwork, because otherwise oh, maybe they're going to not learn everything. Right. We, we forget that. We forget to make it a place for them to shine. Mm -hmm. I love that. Thank you. Well, I, I think for me, what I finally figured out, and part of it was, talking to this mentor, this friend who had homeschooled her kids for years is letting the kids find their own path of interest. And so I really feel strongly about whatever you're going to choose to do in life, let it be something profound that you're going to change the world for good. And I had a son who was really into animation. He wanted to do 3D animation. And I remember thinking, okay, here's another instance. We have to look outside the box. Homeschooling moms are really good at that. And how can we make this something that is that? How could he find something? So after talking with some 
friends and a, a professor at the university. We found a professor who is doing a project at the university for rescue workers. And so Devin got to help put together the 3D project. And it, what it was is they would be able to take this CD. So it's like a game and they would go into different scenarios, whether it was a fire or a flood or whatever it was. And they would be able to try different things and see what is going to work best. So when the real situation happened, they were able to know which direction to go in first. And he got his name put on it and it was such an incredible experience. So I think that's the other thing is as parents, we have to kind of help nudge them, you know, again, um, not push. And that's something that I am still working on to this day, but really nudge them in different directions to help find those kind of things. Um, I know we had one son who was really interested in being a dentist. And um, so we talked to the our local dentist and he actually had him come in and help sit through some procedures, called him Dr. Bartlett. He had some really great experiences with that. So really look outside of your community and who could maybe be a mentor or a guide to your child and help them take those talents and those excitements that they have and, and help drive that in some way. Um, our daughter, when she started college at 16, so she applied in January and then had, you know, four or five months before summer. And I said, I don't want you to just sit here. What are some ideas? So we threw around a whole bunch of ideas and decided that, um, we would check with a couple people to see if she could do an internship. So she actually got an internship with Richard Paul Evans and it was at a time he was doing his five lessons books, the five lessons um, that a millionaire taught me about wealth and life. And so she got to go to television interviews, radio interviews, do a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. And she said, you know, mom, at the beginning, I wasn't sure how much it would apply to me or it would be helpful, but she learned so many key things that helped her um, as she moved forward in her life. So um, there's lots of opportunities for our kids, but my motto is you ask, and if they say no, then it's, it's already was a no if you didn't ask, right? So you might as well ask and see what you can find. Yeah, I love that too, because that's one thing that I am always saying too, is like, we want to build our kids up to be heroes who will stand for good in this world. And sometimes, you know, it's a little tricky with the interest driven thing. We start thinking, how is playing video games or whatever, standing for good in the world? Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes it's hard because we want our kids to follow the, their passions. Right. But, you know, what if it just seems really selfish? And then mm -hmm. you can start looking outside the box and say, well, how can you use this to serve other people? And, and I love that you do just ask because it's true. They're going to just, if they were going to say no anyway, it would be no if you don't ask. That's right. And there's so many opportunities available to our kids and people are thrilled to, to be mentors to others, frankly. You know, we actually pulled in um, some people that were retired here and there, wasn't a lot, but one was a retired school teacher and she was so happy to do some English with the kids and I was so happy to have her do it, you know? So, um, so really look around and, and see what's out there, but you're right. You really want your kids to have their passion be something that's changing the world and making the world a better place. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the thing is too, is I think sometimes as moms, we can start thinking, well, 
my kid likes this, but I don't know anybody or any, re I don't have any resources to help them develop that. And so they say, well, that's too bad. Kind of, we kind of do that kind of a conversation in our brains, but this is what you're saying is, is you got to start thinking outside the box. You know, it's, it's what you were saying with travel too. It's like, it's a mindset shift. Instead okay. of saying, I can't do this. You say, how can I? Mm -hmm. Right. 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 With everything. Mm -hmm. So um, in our travel, once we changed that mindset, we figured out ways to travel inexpensively and free. And we did this for a few years. And we had friends ask us, you know, how do you do that? How can you go to these kind of places? And that's what made us finally write our first book, Have Kids Will Travel, because A, it was easier to refer them to the book because you can't possibly sit down and tell one person at a time oh, everything yeah. that you've learned, right? Yeah. And then, um, and then we got to take our kids on these incredible field trips. And I remember one of the first ones we went on, we had somebody say, so are you going to go to Disneyland in France? And I don't have anything against Disneyland because we've been to Disneyland here. But I said, no, you know, this trip is all about learning and education and history. And once we learned before, we had our kids learn it before we went. And then we worked on that language. And then when we were driving around in that area, we'd I put in the tape, so this, this, see, this dates me, right? I put in the tape or the CD and we'd listen to um, a language one while we were driving, while we were there, just to kind of, you know, freshen up that a little bit. But then when they went to these places, it was, it meant more because when they saw where Joan of Arc was, was killed at the stake or Bonaparte was, you know, exiled, they knew the story to know this is really cool. And then they would dive in and want to know more. And that's what you want your kids to be. You want them to have that excitement about life and um, about the world. The other thing about travel that um, I feel like was the big catalyst too, to the kids um, jumping forward in their education was just what they learned about culture and people and history. They had more empathy for people that are different than them. They got to see incredible places, but they also got to see some really third world countries where things were really hard and help them to appreciate, you know, really what they have and, and what, um, what they're blessed with. Um, I have so many stories. I don't know if you want me to tell any, but I have a couple I would love to share if we have time. Yeah, we've got a few more minutes. I just want to add in here too, is like, you know, you mentioned that they have more empathy for people who are different from them. But I think that you also learn that people are basically the same as well. Yeah. You know, yeah. we're all very different, but we also all want the same things. You know, we all value kindness and, and loving one another and parents love their children, no matter where you go in the world. And it yeah. is really eye-opening to travel a lot. Yeah. I mean, when I got married, my husband totally thought that travel was a luxury. And mm -hmm. I grew up with my dad being an airline pilot. And so for me, I'm like, what? Travel's a luxury? No. Oh, oh lucky you. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so yes. And so I love learning a lot of the tips from your book as well, because, you know, my kids have been able to travel a lot, even though we have seven kids and we, awesome. so, you know my my husband has the job I don't and mm -hmm. you know there are definitely ways to make it happen so why don't you share some cool stories yeah. with us and then give us a couple tips yes okay um 
So this particular trip was when we were in um, Thailand and um, it, our daughter was with us. My husband and I were there with our 18 year old daughter. So she was just at the end, right, of her schooling time with us. And we were traveling around Thailand and Cambodia and we went to Thailand first. And as soon as we got off the flight, I said, okay, it's always about the experience. So we want to do what's inexpensive, but we also want to be a part of this experience. So we got a little tuk-tuk that took us to our um, hotel. And then every day we hired him, instead of give it, getting a cab, we hired him to come and drive us to wherever we were going to go. And it's really inexpensive in Thailand to do that. Um, even cabs are inexpensive, but it was an exciting adventure because he was with us every day. And what I love to do is I love to learn from the locals about their lives, about what they've been through, their families, their experiences. So he wasn't just our tech tech driver. We talked with him. We invited him to have lunch with us every day. And it was such a great experience. On the last day, we were sitting, having lunch, just visiting, and he got really quiet for a minute. And then he said, I have never done this before, but I really want to have you guys over for dinner to my house. And he said, I, I just have to apologize for it because it's not very nice. And we said, are you kidding? You work 24 seven. I mean, literally he worked every day, long, long hours to take care of his family. We said, you, that's something to be so proud of. And we would be honored to have dinner. So he came, picked us up that night, took us to his little house. And it was like um, four cement walls, just this little apartment. There was one tiny bathroom. I didn't even see in there, but there was one little sink that you used like for the bathroom and for cooking food or for washing food and for everything. There was not a stove. There wasn't a refrigerator. There wasn't anything. And they didn't have any furniture. They did have a TV. <laughs> they did have a TV, but, and their mattress, they'd lay down at night, you know, on the floor. And then during the day, they just put up against the wall. So we sat on the floor and the plates of food were put on the floor right by us. And we just ate right there with him and his family. And it was one of the coolest experiences. That's the kind of travel that we love because you can't pay for those kind of experiences. It's totally outside of the norm. And it really taught our daughter how lucky she was and so many other things. And to this day, um, this tech tech driver is still a friend of ours and we um, email him or message him through Facebook. Um, oh gosh, in Cambodia, we went, um, we wanted to serve. So I try to do some sort of humanitarian or something on every trip we go on. And um, so I'd set up beforehand to meet with this, this group to go um, with an organization and, oh, the Rock Foundation, I had to think of the name. So if anybody is going to Cambodia, you'll have to get hold of them. And this is a Christian group that found out about this village that was dying off. And what happened is the government, you know, after Phnom Penh, I don't know if you know about that in the killing fields in the 70s, because for some weird reason, I don't feel like I learned a lot about it. And it was really when we were gonna go there that I studied more with my kids. But anyway, um, after that, they killed off all the educated people in their country. And so things really were upside down for years and still really are. They're trying to get back. But anyway, um, so we took a tech check from our, the, the main city of Phnom Penh 
and went out to this little village and it was three hours each direction in a tuk-tuk. And if anybody doesn't know what a tuk-tuk is, it's just sort of a, you're kind of a little wagon behind a motorcycle. All the sides are open. So it's dusty and dirty and humid and, um, but awesome experience. Anyway, a lot, the government had come in and they had gathered all, all the people in Phnom Penh that were the unwanted and they dropped them off in this little village. There was no water, there was no jobs, there was no way for them to survive. And I think they were hoping that they wouldn't, but this, this particular man and this foundation found them. So they invited us to come speak at their church service. And we brought these big bags of rice. And when we pulled in, like that is the first thing that they were pulling off. And the guy with us said, because that's all they can think about is food. That has to be the first thing we address with them because they are so hungry. So thank you. And then they were cooking that in a community pot while we were getting off the tuk-tuk and getting set up. And then we just walked around after we talked with them and um, at their church service, then we walked around the village and visited with the villagers. And it was such an amazing day. And um, we really, made a lot of friends. Dale has this little thing that he does with a um, piece of grass where it makes a noise. And it was like the Pied Piper. So all the kids in the village were following him all the way out. It was, it was kind of fun. I have a memory of that. Somewhere I have a video too, but um, there's so many experiences that we can have and that we can have our kids be involved in if we look out outside the box there too. And not just the normal travel, um, things that, that most of us do, you know, which are great. And, and we go on those kind of vacations too, but we try to incorporate some sort of service. So you wanted me to talk about just some tricks too, right? In traveling. Yeah, because you have, um, is it four kids? I can't remember now, or five. Four kids, unless you count my husband. Yeah. So yeah, four. <laughs> okay, which is not cheap to go traveling to France or anywhere else. So yeah, share some tips on how you made that happen. Okay. So one of the big things that we did is we used a Delta Sky Miles card because it's the hub here in Utah, um, Delta's hub. And so we would use that card for everything we could and then pay it off. So just instead of like writing a check to the grocery store, we'd write it to Delta Sky Mile. Now you can just do it all online. And that's the big key, right? Making sure you pay it off. But we often had more points from doing those kind of things than my husband did in his traveling. Um, he's traveled a little bit sometimes and other times he's traveled a lot. And so it, that's, it's varied, but you can get a lot of points that can really change the price of your tickets. That's one of the biggest things. So our first big trip to Europe, I think it cost us $40 in taxes per person. And, um, and then also um, when we went to Hawaii one time, I think it cost us $5 round trip. So that's a, a good way to eliminate one of your big costs. And, and often they actually have um, affiliate programs. So things you're paying for every day, whether it's Netflix or Prime or whatever, go see what is an affiliate with that card and you can be getting points for those things you're already paying for anyway. So there's a lot of ways to do that. Um, the other thing is Scott's Cheap Flights, which is amazing. If you sign up, it's, it's 
uh, a yearly fee. So it's 39 for like the top tier and I think 19 for the next and I can't remember, maybe nine. So the people at $39, they'll send you the email free. So if they find um, mistake fares or really good deals, they'll send it out. And usually there's actually a couple every day. So just be forewarned, you are gonna like be drooling <laughs> to go to all these places and no one can possibly go to all of them. But we have a good friend that went to Milan during Christmas time for like 247 round trip. Um, they just had to Amsterdam like $329 a few days ago. So the list goes on and on, but it's it's really amazing. Also, if you, you can use your Sky Miles on those too, right? And then you won't use as many. It depends on the airline, but yeah. It depends on the airline, but really if you're going to get a good deal, it's worth just paying for it. Yeah. Because what we would do is we would use our points for the high ticket items. So for one, for instance, we went one summer to Italy and we spent about $2,500 for everything. Our airfare, our food for three weeks, hotel, which mostly we stayed at a little farmhouse. So everything that we did that week, it was about 2,500 for all six of us. And it's because we, those tickets would have been $1,800 at that time per ticket, but instead we used our sky miles for those. So if you get a cheap ticket, it's more worth paying for the ticket and saving your sky miles for the things that are expensive because no. you're going to get more value out of them that way. Nice. So then what about tips for where you stay? You just, where you stay, because you just said you stayed at a farmhouse. How do you find a farmhouse to rent in Italy? So, so years ago, I found this book about how to do home exchanges. When I brought it up to Dell, he's like, no way, no one's going to want to come to Northern Utah because that's what we lived up in Hiram. It's a little town two hours, you know, away from Salt Lake. And I said, honey, look at this. The Olympics were in Salt Lake. We're like two blocks from a little lake, five minutes from the mountains, uh, four hours from Jackson Hole, there's a ton of things they can do. He's like, okay, I guess we can try it. And so we did. We signed up for this home exchange group and we got some of the most amazing, incredible opportunities every single year, um, usually about five to 10 a year. So let me just tell you a couple of ours. One was um, a game reserve in South Africa and it was like 75 hectares can't remember how that translates to an acre, but I think there's a couple acres per hectare. Anyway, 75 hectares overlooked the ocean, had a guest house, had a servant's quarters, had the main house. <laughs> wow, like those people wanted to come to Hiram. So don't ever think that where you live is not a desirable place because if somebody's never experienced that, they may want to. Unfortunately, that year um, we couldn't go on that one. And we also had another one to London that asked if we wanted to exchange houses and cars. So that takes care of your place to stay and your vehicle. And then if you know you use your points for the airfare, then you just have to pay for food and fun, which is what you do at home anyway. So those are a lot of the ways we do it. But we, we found that farmhouse through the home exchange site. We asked if they wanted to exchange and they didn't want to exchange at the same time. So they said, we'll just rent you our farmhouse. We live in Florence, but it's outside of Florence. And um, it was like $55 a night, slept eight, had two bathrooms. So if anyone's been to Italy, it's expensive. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. And we always take extras. So we had seven. 
we, we took an extra kid with us. And it was so incredible because it was up in the hills of Tuscany. It was, um, there was a, it, like 27 farmhouses on the property. And then the main house was this incredible villa that was built for one of the Medici daughters. And they had olive gardens and vineyards and, and they, so what we found out is that the, the daughter who rented us the farmhouse, um, that her parents were the count and countess. So when we got there, she said, now, if you want to come down on Sunday, we're there with our parents and we'll take you on a tour of the villa. And, you know, we can eat some stuff outside and have a little visit and you can meet my parents, the count and countess. And, and then we found out that their family had donated the biggest amount of art to the Uffizi Museum. They have their own, so the Bonacossi um, wing to the Uffizi Museum. So, we, I mean, we didn't know these things before we went, right? That's incredible. If anybody knows anything about Florence, like you, the Uffizi is the big famous museum. Yeah. And, and so going through the villa was like having our own art tour walking through and, and seeing all this incredible art. And these were the things they didn't donate to the museum. Um, and so the kids had a way, they, they were able to just go and play in the vineyard. And, you know, we were just one little tiny farmhouse. There was somebody next to us, I think, and someone way up the hill, but they had room to run. Now, if you go to a hotel, you're very often, you know, you have to keep the kids quiet. You have to keep them contained. They don't have that kind of experience. Then we took a hike up the hill and met the family up there. They had us over for dinner and we've since been stayed friends and since gone back and visited the people that we rented the villa from. So uh, it's amazing the experiences that can open up when you think of doing things a little bit differently than most people do. Absolutely. I love that so much. And I love what you said, you know, it's always about the experience and by the experience, you mean interacting with the people and, mm -hmm. and seeing and learning things. And yeah, yes. that's amazing. It's not just about the entertainment and, and having fun, but you're going to have fun with this too. Yes, absolutely. And mix that in, you know, that's okay. But, um, but certainly there's so much life growth and learning that can come as we interact with other people of other cultures and, and, and understand a little more where they're coming from and how they live and why they do the things they do. Absolutely. Well, I love that so much. And I want to just thank you for coming on and opening up our audience's mind to the idea that you can have those experiences, even if you think there's no way because there is a way, there's always a way that you can figure it out and make it happen. Always, yes. Yeah, so why don't you let our guests know where they can find you? And also we may have to have you back on because you have a whole other story that you could talk about as well. So, yeah. Yes, yes I do. And I'll just mention it really quickly. So my daughter um, at 29 had a massive brain tumor removed and. Um, doctors didn't think she'd walk or talk again, and she had to relearn all of those things. But can I just say, because we are really good at looking outside the box, I've used that term way too many times, but looking at different alternatives, that that really helped us in this journey. So yes, I would love to come back and share that. Um, you can check out her blog at TBI, so traumatic brain injury, so tbifightclub.com. 
you can check out a little bit about um, our homeschooling um, experience that we're, we're now sharing with parents, five different core ways to help get you into homeschooling and help get you prepared and, and how to make that an easier transition. And that's simplifiedhomeschooling.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook also with that. So simplified homeschooling. And then also, um, if you wanna learn some more of our travel tips, which we have a lot online, you can go to traveling and then the letter U, travelingu.com. That is so awesome. Thank you so much for being willing to take time out and help us just see how we can open up your mind, our mind before. I'm like, I have already read your books before and I've applied some of these things too. Like one time we did actually trade our, the use of our car for the use of a place in Florence, which was awesome. But look at you. Yes. And you know, but just talking to you again, it's making me feel really inspired to want to go get traveling again. And oh, we're in a yeah. pandemic, but it's opening back up. So that's it is opening back up. And I think we're all excited for more life experiences. So I'll be excited to see what you're going to do and travel in the, in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much. Thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Building Heroes podcast. Can you help more people join the Building Heroes movement by sharing this podcast? More people can find it when you subscribe to the show, rate it, and leave a review. For more help on Building Heroes in your home, get the free Building Heroes resources at www.buildingheroesacademy.com. <laughs>